0: Hello, this is a video that i've been intending to make for a very long time, and it was mostly inspired by the Cologne incident so i 'm going to add it to this series on the on that however, what's made me and then I wanted to do it for the anniversary of the migrant crisis starting, and then I wanted to do it in time for the German election, the general election that just happened a few weeks ago uh, but various things always get in the way and Well, I'm doing it now. And it's going to be a sort of not a character study exactly, but a study of Angela Merkel and her place in German history. So, and the first thing I want to say, just to start off this, is I want to make the obvious statement that Angela Merkel is responsible for what happened in Cologne on New Year's Eve in 2015. And I mean, she is. She can be blamed totally for that happening. Um, Having said that, let's move on to sort of a potted biography of the woman, Angela Merkel, who is the Chancellor of Germany and has been for, I think, uh, 12 years now. She was born in 1954, uh, which is obviously nine years after World War II ended. And that is absolutely critical to understanding, well, everything that happened in Germany after World War II. But especially her and her world view. She is half Polish. And no one quite knows whether she's part Jewish or not. That's a, a real mystery. It's, to be honest, there's, her past in general is murky. Not much is known. Not much is understood about her, where she came from, you know, and so on. However, she is a doctor of physics. She is a highly intelligent woman, at least academically speaking. And probably in other ways as well. I mean, let's not uh let's be honest about this she is very strategically intelligent she's also an ex-communist who was responsible for agitating propaganda and brainwashing um you can read up on that yourself i don't want to go into the uh, the details of it just now but she was uh, i think it was uh agitation and propaganda <laughs> so she also has a reputation for being ruthless. She quickly ingratiated herself with a hardcore federal federalist party uh, after being very anti-federal. This was in the uh, late 80s. And I think that was because, and the consensus generally is, that this was because she could sense which way the wind was blowing and just changed her ideals accordingly. And that's something that seems to characterise her in general, that tendency. Okay, so yeah, she was the Chancellor, she has been the Chancellor of Germany since 2005, so that's now 12 years. One of the things that is unusual about her uh, in terms of modern politicians, especially modern German politicians, is that she is not vain. She has no superficial vanity or ego to to be witnessed. But, you know, she seems like a sort of harmless old old woman, frankly. But this lack of vanity does not stop her from being a megalomaniac, obsessed with power and or ideology. We'll get to that at the end, that uh, dichotomy. She could be characterized, she could be described as a childless, emotional uh autist, a sort of, a, well, a machine, in other words, a sort of German stereotype of someone, and again, it is a stereotype, an extreme cartoon sort of image, a caricature of the German, uh, an emotionless machine. But unfortunately, in this case, she seems to be that. And of course, it's all the more strange because she's a woman, and we all tend to associate women with as uh, with being more emotional than men. And yet it seems that she is less emotional than most of the men around her in politics. She is the ultimate pragmatist and strategist. Uh, People consistently underestimate her and then get screwed. This has happened time and time again. Um, She wants power, but she has no vision, Uh, which is very typical of the managerialist that we've seen since the 90s, that style of politician someone who wants power for its own sake but has no vision and therefore is a leader in the blandest and perhaps most spiritually empty sense. And she says we schaffen das but she doesn't say why we should do this. Also she reacts but is not proactive. She reacts to events around her and what other people are saying. Again she has no vision of her own. Now That's a sort of description to open this video with, a sort of biography of sorts. Now I'm going to go through the uh, timeline of uh, various things uh, from recent history, from the last uh, seven years. In October 2010, she made her now infamous speech in which she said that multiculturalism had failed. However, that's not exactly what she said, and people have... See, of course, it seems like a terrible contradiction if she said that and then five years later let in a million migrants. But unfortunately, it's not quite what she said. Here's what she said. The so-called multi concept, where people would live side-by-side happily, does not work, has not worked. And immigrants need to do more to integrate, including learning German. But here's a more precise de- uh, quote from her. And this is from an article. Mrs. Merkel told a gathering of younger members of her conservative Christian Democratic Union, the CDU party, that at the beginning of the 60s, our country called the foreign workers to come to Germany, and now they live in our country. We kidded ourselves for a while. We said, they won't stay. Sometime they will be gone. It's the same, exactly the same thing happened in uh, the Netherlands, incidentally, which is why they had a policy, an official policy, of multiculturalism. Let these migrants retain their own culture. Don't make them integrate. Uh, Let them retain their own culture so that it will be easier for them to leave, and it will be more tempting for them to leave. Uh, Which um, kind of makes sense, but it's not how it actually plays out. It's not how it played out in Germany's case either. We kidded ourselves for a while. We said, they won't stay. Sometime they will be gone. But this isn't reality, and of course, the approach to build a multicultural society and to live side by side and to enjoy each other has failed utterly failed. The approach has failed the approach of just living side by side with these other peoples and enjoying each other just naturally has failed, not the living not the living together and uh, sharing a society with them, but the non—but the idea that you can just let it happen and it will just work, that has failed. And also the idea that they shouldn't be integrated because you want them to leave and you hope they will leave, that hasn't worked either because they haven't left. And so now you've got a bunch of people, large numbers of them, who are living in your society and will do so indefinitely and are not integrated. So in other words... You have to accept, once you've let them in, you have to accept that they're going to stay indefinitely. And that means that you have to integrate them. So that is what she wants. It's not that she doesn't want multiculturalism. It's not that she thinks multiculturalism is inherently doomed um, or a bad idea. It's that she simply thinks it hadn't been done properly. <laughs> what does that remind
1: us of? <laughs> anyway, so that was October 2010. Four years later, the 10th of October 2014, and this is an
0: incident that didn't involve Angela Merkel, but it's an incident that certainly should have told her something. After an 800-man brawl outside a mosque in Hamburg on Tuesday, German police deployed 1,300 officers on Wednesday night, but were still unable to separate warring Islamic fundamentalists and Yazidi Kurds in violence which again led to a hospitalisation for the third night running. That was reported in Breitbart again in October 2014. And the reason I mention this is that incidents like that happening in Germany should have told
1: the Chancellor of Germany this is not working. And this was four years after she had
0: announced that the just leaving them alone doesn't work. So she's had four years to try to integrate them, begin those programs. They haven't worked. And yet, so she's aware that it doesn't work. And yet, she still did what she did uh, 11 months later. So now, July 2015. She said that migrants would have to leave. And this was just six weeks. We're now counting down six weeks before her insane decision. And there's a clip on YouTube about this a Syrian girl. She's Merkel is doing some kind of I don't know what it, what you would call it. She's they're in a studio, it looks like, and she's talking to the public and a, a, a like a crowd, like an audience. And one of them is this Syrian girl who says that she just wants to stay and go to university and have a career and all this, but the officials are saying, telling her parents that they're going to have to leave. And um, the girl begins crying. And Merkel, well, she the girl says that and then Merkel confirms that yes, some people are going to have to leave. And then the girl begins crying. And then Merkel, and I'll, I'll link this below so you can see it, then Merkel goes over to the girl and tells her that she did a great job showcasing the predicament that many people are in. And uh, it's weird. It's weird because it, it's businesslike. Her attitude towards this girl is not caring or warm or motherly, maternal. It's um, it's businesslike, and she's praising a performance, and uh, she's saying the girl did a good job, a great job. Now, perhaps it was a setup. I don't know. Perhaps this girl was always going to say that, and then burst into tears, and Merkel was going to uh, pretend to comfort her. Um. Or maybe it was spontaneous on the part of the girl and Merkel didn't know that it was going to happen. But either way, it demonstrates that she's she's not emotional. Again, she, there's this incredible business-like attitude around the, about the woman. I will emphasise that she doesn't have kids. Uh, and again, that's increasingly common among female
1: politicians nowadays. And the other thing about this is it's six weeks before her decision.
0: So maybe this was a setup. Maybe it was an innocent thing. Was not, not a setup. Um, maybe it was an embarrassment for Merkel. Or maybe if it was a setup, then it was designed to provide a pretext for her, change, her apparent change of heart six weeks later. We'll probably never know. However, six weeks later, the 4th of september 2015 i think a lot of us can probably remember those those days um you know from afar looking at, what the, at at germany and thinking what on earth is happening merkel decided to open the border and stated that there was no limit on the numbers that could come in and then you had the footage as i've said many times the rivers of brown and black men uh, streaming through German countryside, German villages, ancient German villages, and these are men from the third world. These are men; these are Is- Islamic men,
1: men of a different race. They're not German in any way, any way at all. They're not European in any way at all. And there they are in huge number, and just streaming, streaming past the cameras,
0: and it was terrifying. I made a video about it at the time, a long one called The Migrant Crisis, which I'll link below. It's a very long, it's two hours long. And because there was so much to say about it at the time, it was just,
1: it was actually nightmarish in its, in its bizarreness. You thought, how on earth can this
0: be happening? How can this be allowed to happen? And how can politicians get away with allowing it to happen? But they did. And Merkel did.
1: uh, Very much got away with it. She's just been re-elected in Germany. So, it was essentially... what What was so scary about it was that you were looking...
0: I mean, we've got mass immigration all the time, but this was a sudden, very fast influx of third world migrants. And it just seemed like you were looking at the replacement of the German people, uh, or at least an attempt to to hurry it along, to hurry along their extinction. Yeah, it was just horrifying. And then, moving forward, on the 15th of December 2015, Angela Merkel said, bear in mind this was uh, 15 days before the Cologne incident, she said, those who seek refuge with us also have to respect our laws and traditions and learn to speak German. Multiculturalism leads to parallel societies, and therefore multiculturalism remains a grand delusion so obviously this is translated from German here she is saying that we cannot have multiculturalism in the way it has hitherto been conceived is a delusion it doesn't work. She's reiterating what I said earlier, but she's now Calling it multicultural, the the problem is multiculturalism. But this is a very strange thing for her to say because she is a multiculturalist. Uh, I mean, you can't let a million Muslims from the third world come into your country and not demand that they, in every single way, become German. Without believing in multi, you must believe in multicultural if you are letting them retain anything of their original culture their ancestral culture. So it's a strange thing for her to say. But I think, again, she's, she was echoing what she'd said five years earlier that, about the parallel society uh, trap. So, moving forward again, 15 days to the 30th of December, uh, Merkel 2015. She delivered her New Year's message, in which she said, and this was about the migrant crisis, Wir schaffen das. We can do this, because Germany is a strong country. And I have uh, drawn attention to this before: the fact that she says the Germ- Germany is a strong country. She doesn't say the Germans are a strong people. We, us, and she she doesn't draw attention to her group because she doesn't accept that her group exists in any meaningful way. It's just the people who happen to be in Germany now. But what she's really believing in, what she's placing faith in, is not those people who have been there whether 500 years or or 500 seconds. She's placing faith in the systems that have been created in Germany. Germany is a strong country because it has these resilient, robust systems for dealing with circumstances, up to and including the, the arrival of a million third world people. And here's the thing, to be a trustworthy and good leader, you have to be emotionally attached to the people that you are leading, especially when it comes to society, statesmanship and so on. And you have to be concerned with their eternal story. You can't just see them as economic units. You can't just value their economic potential. You have to actually, or their short-term political usefulness to you, you have to actually care about them. You have to be concerned with them in and of themselves. And the only way that can happen, realistically, is if they are an ethnic group and can, can be conceived of as such and protected as such. I think. I think that civic nationalism leads to a, la- a lack of a peoplehood. So there is no people to protect and be concerned for and care about and love and feel attached to as as a leader. So, I think basically that civic nationalism is a delusion, as much as multiculturalism is. Um, civic nationalism is a much
1: greater and more serious delusion, because it's more subtly delusional. To recap, stability comes from cohesion, ethnic cohesion.
0: And cohesion begets stability. Diversity begets chaos. And being without a group uh, identity, whether it's racial, religious, cultural or national, begets nihilism and ultimately oblivion. And I wish somebody had hammered these these, what I think are facts, into Angela Merkel's head at some formative point in her life. Because clearly, that did not happen, and therefore she, you could say, engineered the extinction of her own people. And it's remarkable to see a leader doing that. It's simply remarkable. And then the very next day, that was the 30th of December, the very next day, the Cologne incident happened. And a lot of people will be wondering, why am I still making videos in the in this series about that incident. It's because it was very symbolic. The young women, most of them were young, of a country were being molested, sexually molested, by the men, by foreign men who did not belong in that country, who who were not of that country or of that that folk. So these young young women were being molested by foreigners. And um uh, the media covered it
1: up, and the German men didn't get rowdy. They didn't get emotional about it. They they were cucked. They, they felt cucked. They felt useless and impotent. And of course, the other reason,
0: the other significance of Cologne is that it was wholly avoidable and largely engineered in the months immediately preceding it. Uh, by the migrant crisis which was chosen and implemented by choice uh, voluntarily by german politicians especially angela merkel it seems that the decision was very much a surprise to a lot of politi- a lot of german politicians including ones who were close to her uh, there was the i think it's the the prime minister of bavaria or the president i can't remember what his uh, title is but he apparently knew nothing about it until he heard it along with everyone else It was just sprung on him like it was sprung on the German people. So, the point is, Cologne was avoidable, but Cologne was engineered. Uh,
1: Blindly, but nevertheless engineered. And amazingly,
0: first of all, there was the media cover-up and the police denying that anything untoward or unusual had happened. Then it got out by way of alternative media, and then they couldn't deny it, and so on. And then the politicians started talking about it hesitantly. And on the 6th of January 2016, Merkel said, we
1: must accept that migrants are more criminal. Now this speaks of a characteristic of the Germans. And note that we can talk about the Germans, and we can
0: attribute uh, characteristics to them because they are a thing, this group does exist. But one particular characteristic of the Germans is servitude, readiness to serve, uh, being comfortable serving, being fulfilled serving, and a sense of duty, a sort of sacred sense of duty, and sacrifice, self-sacrifice, working towards uh,
1: a greater societal goal whether it's from the state or whether it's for the folk. But here, obviously in this age, everything gets twisted.
0: As is so often the case with uh, white people, their qualities are used against them in this age. And what we have here is that this German willingness to serve and willingness to accept duty and responsibility uh, was twisted into the twisted towards the migrants and the refuge and so that the refugee crisis the migrant crisis the migrant influx came to be seen as a mission and therefore no no matter how unpleasant it was, it must be accepted, and they must the German people must work at it and even the more unpleasant it is, the more onerous it is, the better, because the greater then is their duty, the greater then is their, um, their responsibility to make sure it works out in the end. It's also uh, what we see here that we must accept that migrants are more criminal. It's also German servitude towards being twisted towards the ideas of social democracy and equality, which is something that has not existed in Germany for very long. Uh, These characteristics of the Germans, the servitude thing, uh, go back centuries and centuries, and yet here they are being twisted in the service of these modern sickly ideals, which are destroying them demonstrably. And the other thing that we can take from this statement is a revolting acceptance that her people, that she has subjected her people to a large number of of foreigners, who are going to c- commit a large number of crimes, because they are more criminal than her people, she's saying it openly and without shame, without guilt, without embarrassment, that she has inflicted this upon her own
1: people. Well, you've just got to accept they're more criminal than us. Wir schaffen das. it's it's i mean i'm not german i and yet even i it infuriates me to think of a leader abusing their people like this and moving forwards to the 28th
0: of july 2016 and these were merkel's first remarks after a string of terrorist incidents Uh, in Germany during the summer of 2016. She said again, Wir schaffen das. This had come to be her catchphrase by this point. Wir schaffen das. We'll manage it. Um, Repeating the famous phrase she uttered almost a year before, which set off the dramatic wave of migration
1: to Germany. (laughs) And then she said, that two men who came to us as refugees
0: carried out the attacks in Würzburg And Ansbach mocks our country,
1: she said. No, it does not mock the country. It mocks the people. It mocks the German folk. It does not mock the country. But again, this is uh, something that she is robotically unable to conceive of.
0: And then I'll read again this this quote uh, from an, an article about it. Defending her decision to stop applying EU asylum rules to Syrian refugees, she said she had acted in line with my knowledge and conscience. This was because she, she was pressured into saying something after all these terror attacks, so she had, she had to say something. And so she said that she had acted in line with my knowledge and conscience. But that's a lie, because she already knew about, for example the 1300 strong police effort necessary to quell an islamic yassidi street fight back in 2014 she already knew what was likely to happen she already knew what she was bringing upon her people so i don't know how she could do that and act and be acting in line with her conscience and her uh, her knowledge uh, no <laughs> that's a lie And what's more, she already acknowledged earlier in the year, back in January, that migrants are more criminal than her own people. And she already acknowledged that multiculturalism was a failure precisely because integrating Muslims was very difficult, is very difficult. So how could she bring a million more Muslims into her country and be acting in line with her knowledge and her conscience?
1: It doesn't make sense. It it doesn't ring true at all. Then reading more of the article here,
0: she also pledged that weapons laws across Europe would be sharpened, further research into radicalisation would be conducted, and stronger controls on what people do on the internet would be implemented. So reduced freedom for Europeans and Germans so as to control the non-Europeans that she brought into
1: Europe. Crazy just crazy. Then uh, she also ruled out reversing the
0: border policy. She said recent attacks in Germany involving asylum seekers would will not change our willingness to take in refugees. (laughs) So they're beating you, they're bombing you, they're shooting you, they're knifing you, they're raping you. And still
1: you will not consider changing your border policy, on letting them in. Madness. So, moving forward, uh, oh no, it's still on the, the
0: 20th of July. She said, I am still convinced today that we can do it. We schaffen das. It is our historic duty, and this is a historic challenge in times of globalisation. So first of all, you've got the acceptance of globalization and its apparently inevitable consequences that you've got to take in loads of people from the third world. I don't see that that's inevitable as a consequence of globalization, but whatever, she's saying it is. And second, she's saying, and this is something to uh, draw attention to, is that she's saying we can do it, and it is our historic duty. So when there's something to be done, the German people
1: do exist, but when they are owed something, they don't exist. And what's more, when she says this is a historic challenge in times of global, life,
0: she's making it sound like a truly joyless challenge, uh, a joyless task, a punishment, an endurance test, an arduous moral duty rather than a triumph or something to be proud of, something to derive energy from. It's something lifeless and managerial. Uh, well, she's treating it, she's seeing it in those uh, as a managerialist would see a challenge. And she goes on. A rejection of the humanitarian stance we took could have led to even worse consequences. And she didn't explain what the hell she meant by that. Um, a rejection of the humanitarian stance we took back in September 2015 could have led to even worse consequence. For whom? Uh, I mean, pre- presumably she means for the migrants who would be stuck in in Syria. But, yeah, well, again, yeah, yeah, it would have been worse for them. But that's not our problem as Europeans, as uh, Westerners. Uh, our first priority should be ourselves and our people, and our families, and our communities. Not Syrians. And if helping Syrians requires
1: endangering ourselves and our people, and our countrymen, then the answer should simply be no. Anyway, Merkel said that uh, could have led to even worse
0: consequences if we hadn't done what we'd done. And then she said, she, she added that the assailants of uh, these these terror attacks in summer 2016, wanted to undermine our sense of community, which is ironic considering that she denies the existence of the German people, the Volk, the our openness and our willingness to help people in need. We firmly reject this. So again, when something can be required of the German people, they exist. But she is... And here's a, an interesting thing. She's presenting all of this, the, the terror attacks, she's talking of them as a, as a test of the German people's faith in diversity, multiculturalism, globalism, and mass immigration. It's a test of their faith, and the worse it gets, the more their faith is being tested, and the more they must hold on to these ideals. And then finally, a comment on this thing. Uh, we firmly reject this. She's acting as if white people are still in charge and still have the ultimate power over how things go. And there's even a note of white people having power over reality itself, uh, being able to change it based on how they choose to perceive it. We firmly reject this uh Attempt to undermine our sense of community, openness and our willingness to help people in need. We firmly reject. Uh, But it's terrorism. That's what's happened to you. And so you you can say, you can try to change your perspective and, and whatever. But it's still terrorism and you're still not reacting to it in a sane and constructive manner. Okay. She also said... Anxiety and fear cannot guide our political decisions. But that is sheer utopianism. Uh, if you believe that she believes this. Well, I doubt that she actually does believe this, that anxiety and fear should not... I mean, it's, this is just a platitude. But maybe it's that she was too arrogant to admit that her policy was wrong, that the migrant policy. Or maybe she was protecting the policy for other
1: reasons, i.e., on behalf of her handlers. Um, I'll get onto that later. And then moving forward to
0: the 4th of September 2016, at this stage it was a year to the day since her fateful decision. Her party was knocked into third place in her own constituency, Mecklenburg Western Pomerania, and the anti-immigration AFD achieved second place. So her party was in third place and beaten by the AFD. And what's more, the AFD was running there for the first time and had only existed for three years.
1: So it was a remarkable humiliation. But of course it didn't make her change her mind on anything.
0: On the 7th of September 2016, Chancellor Merkel urged German politicians against stooping to the levels of anti-immigration populists, like the AFD, days after her party suffered a stinging state election defeat by the Islamophobic AFD. (laughs) This is a quote from a newspaper. In her first address to Parliament since Sunday's election in the state of Mecklenburg, Western Pomerania, Merkel defended her welcoming stance to refugees and called on all parties to unite against the AFD.
1: Even at this stage, she was still... Well, still totally delusional.
0: And uh, then on the 18th of September 2016, in the vote to elect a new city government in Berlin, Merkel makes historic losses as her CDU party, the Christian Democratic Union, faces the worst result
1: in its history. And on the 19th of September 2016, Reuters reported... Chancellor
0: Merkel said she would turn back time if she could. So finally, these two electoral defeats in a row in quick succession, uh, the state election and then the city government election in Berlin, these two political defeats got to her. Not the rapes and not even the terror attacks and not even the Cologne incident got to her, but these two political defeats got to her and made her rethink her position. Chancellor Merkel said she would turn back time if she could to better prepare Germany for last year's migrant influx, striking a conciliatory tone and taking some blame for her party's drubbing in a Berlin city vote on Sunday. As a quote from her. I take my share of the responsibility that lies with me as party chairwoman and Chancellor. And this was... The, sounding the most conciliatory tone she has in more than a decade in office, in a shift away from a previously robust defence of her migrant policy. So these were the first signs of regret showing. And another quote from the, the newspaper. Rather than repeat her mantra of Wir schaffen das, or we can do this, on the migrant crisis, Merkel said she did not like using that catchphrase anymore. There's a quote from her. Some people feel provoked by this sentence, and that was never the aim, she added, sounding almost apologetic. Asked whether she would run again in 2017, Merkel smiled and declined to comment.
1: Of course, she did run again in 2017, and she did win. Because she is a master operator.
0: And she knew what she could risk and she knew what she could win and so on. And she, she played the game successfully. But at this point, it was time to show some regret, some remorse, uh, some contrition. And so she did it because she knew that was what was, that was the right tactic at that time. And it was, it was shown to her. She, the, the need for that tactic was shown to her by the political defeats that her party had suffered. It wasn't shown to her by the protesters or everyone talking about what had happened in Cologne. None of that ever got through to her, apparently. Moving forward to the 27th of October, 2016. This is reported by Breitbart. Angela Merkel has recommended that Germans who are concerned about Islamization should play Christmas carols on the recorder to contain any possible threat from Islamisation. At a national... That's the sort of summary that Breitbart gave her. I'm going to read more detail here because it is interesting. At a national congress of the Christian Democratic Union Party in Wittenberg, the, the German Chancellor told supporters that it's up to them to hold off the growth of Islam in Germany by preserving Christmas traditions. Addressing points raised by AFD about Islamic law holding values that are antithetical to those of Germans, Merkel conceded, I know that there are concerns about Islam. She then argued that it's up to Germans to contain Islamization in Germany, suggesting they do so by recalling Christian traditions. She said, how many Christmas carols do we still know? And how many of them are we passing on to our children and grandchildren? She asked the crowd rhetorically. You just have to copy a few sheets of carol music and ask someone who can play the recorder
1: or the flute to join in. Now, the first thing to say about this is it's absolutely amazing. For any politician to suggest
0: that singing Christmas carols (laughs) and maintaining that tradition would be sufficient to stave off the Islamization of your country, when the demographics favor the Islamization, not the the Christian traditions. You know, the dem. I mean, basically, demographics is destiny. To to use the, the well-worn phrase, and so it's absurd to talk about such such inadequate measure, such puny
1: efforts being uh, being enough. It's it's absurd. Also, I mean, there is a lot that
0: could be said about this statement that, you know, we should, the Germans should stave off Islamization by singing Christmas carols and teaching them to their children and grandchildren. There's a lot, almost a video in itself, I think, but I'm doing it here. So, it's, another thing to say about it is it's grossly irresponsible for her to say this at all when she herself has uniquely done a lot to put that German culture at great risk, the Christian traditions and so on she has brought in a million non-christians non-whites non-germans non-europeans in a single year which is i mean if anything would put those traditions at risk it's that she's the one who's endangered these things now you could say that germans should even without the threat of islamization they should be preserving their traditions and Christ- Christmas carols and so on. And I would agree with that. I also don't think that it's right for them to say, well, you've created this problem, so why should we have to uh, preserve these... You know, yeah, they, I think that's self-defeating. I think they should uh, do what they can. However, what Merkel was doing here was passing the buck. This is something that she does a lot uh, in politics. It's remarkable how she does something or is involved in something, but someone else gets the blame for it. It's something that has, this has been a trait of her political career. It's how she's a survivor, a political survivor. But what she's doing is passing the buck. She's the one that's caused the problem, but now she says that the German people, it's their
1: responsibility to to solve the problem, even against what I think are, well, historic odds. Uh, And we're talking demographics, basically.
0: It's the equivalent. What she said, teach these traditions, is the equivalent of saying, just have more kids if you don't want to be replaced.
1: Just teach Christmas carols if you don't want to be Islamized. There is no self-reflection on her part here,
0: and no admission of culpability. It's entirely on the German people
1: To make something out of the the shitstorm that she has unleashed upon them. Now,
0: those are all the historic moments that I'm going to bring into this. We'll bring it up to the present. It's now October 2017. It's two years and a month since the migrant crisis. uh, Since she started it. And Merkel still refuses to set a limit on immigration, even now. Saying that there is nothing, and this is her uh, her get-out clause, she says that there is nothing in the German constitution which calls for a limit. (sighs) I mean, this is just such autism, it's it's stereotypical German autism. We've got to do things by the constitution, and if... If the constitution doesn't demand a limit, then we shouldn't place a limit, Uh, regardless of the present circumstances. We should do it by the book. (laughs) But the thing is that the German constitution and its policy on refugees was drafted after World War II. That was in 1949. And at that time, refugees meant political dissidents who were very rare, very unusual people like Julian Assange or Edward Snowden. Very rare people like that or it meant ethnic germans returning as refugees to germany so of course there was no that the constitution didn't call for those numbers to be limited it was german people coming home so it's, it's fatuous and dishonest for merkel to use that as the grounds upon which to just let unlimited somalians in, and congolese
1: and all the rest of it into germany now it's just disgusting But of course, here's the thing: that the constitution was and that policy
0: was drafted with ethnic Germans in mind. But someone like Merkel will not distinguish between ethnic German refugees and ethnic Somalian refugees, because that would be racist. So she's uh, <laughs> she she can't do it, even if she wanted to. Her worldview prevents her from thinking in those terms. There is no difference in our mind between ethnic German refugees returning to the, the fatherland and some Arab arriving on a boat who's never set foot on Europe before in his life. And ni- none of his ancestors, going back centuries, have set foot in Europe.
1: <laughs> There's no difference, apparently. Ah, uh, uh, okay however
0: one thing that can be said in in by way of uh, contrition is that she has stopped using the phrase wir schaffen das but you know, that was i think that was uh, september 2016 yeah so she stopped using the phrase but she has done absolutely nothing to backtrack on it or its consequences its, the things associated with it in the meantime March 2018 is looming on the horizon. And at that time, a massive number of the 2015 refugees and onward will, are, will be eligible to apply for family reunification. And they're expected to do so. So that would mean that the number of refugees could literally multiply. The number of, re- of these refugees from 2015 could literally multiply very rapidly as they bring in their wives, and some of them might have multiple wives, and many children. So we could be talking about families of two, three, four kids, maybe more, five, six, who knows, and plus the wives as well. And Syrians and Iraqi refugees are apparently the ones most likely to be granted asylum status, and 390,000 Syrians are going to be eligible to apply for this to bring their families over. 390,000 Syrians. And you've got to times that by three or four. Absolutely amazing. But in the run-up to the recent general election, Merkel refused to comment on this, this thing that's coming in March 2018. Shrugging it off and saying that they would deal with the question when it comes up in just six months' time. But she refused to uh, say anything about it, to nail her colours to the mass one way or the other. And again, if anything speaks of utter contempt and disregard for the German people, surely that is it. She's not even going to tell them what she's going to do when, when this, uh, this, uh, this new radical demographic change is going to, uh, could be on the
1: horizon. She's not going to tell them what she's going to do about it. It will deal with the question when it comes up. In the meantime,
0: please vote for me. And they did, unfortunately. She won the September election, uh, but on the bright side, I guess you could say, she is now having to form a coalition with the cucked Libertarian Party and the insane Green Party of Germany. So there is no romance in this coalition. There is no symmetry or harmony
1: in it. But she is surviving, as ever. She's still the Chancellor after all of this. So now, to return to the first days of 2016, immediately after the Cologne incident, the 7th of
0: January 2016. She said, What happened raises serious concerns that have relevance beyond Cologne. Are there connections? Are there common behaviour patterns? Are women disrespected by certain groups? We have to confront these questions. But the thing is, these questions should have been confronted before letting a million of these people into your country. Surely. Especially given what we know about Islamic cultures and uh, today and Islamic military tactics in the past. Surely that was worth considering. Uh, Apparently not. Only after Cologne did she say, oh, maybe there are problems. Pathetic. She added that cultural coexistence must be continually discussed. But not the question of why this coexistence should be tolerated or elongated. After all, how is German culture likely to be enriched or improved by a foreign culture which treats women like that, as we saw in, the, uh, in Cologne, Taharush and so on? What can such a culture possibly have to offer Germany? I'm not saying that there's nothing good about Islamic culture. What I'm saying is, can the good really be worth the bad? for us? Is it really worth this downgrade in solidarity, cultural integrity, genetic integrity, peace of mind, harmony, social cohesion? Is it worth the sacrifice of all that? Uh, I mean, what are we we getting at the end of that? What are the German people getting? I mean, it applies all over Europe, of course, but specifically in the case of Germany, how are they going to benefit at the end of this? But this is the thing. Even these questions of expediency, uh, cultural and behavioural compatibility, are secondary, or should be secondary, to the main question, which is kith and kin. Culture is obviously very important, I'm not going to deny that, but what about ancestry, connection,
1: peoplehood, in this case, the German people? Why is that not important? Now, If Angela Merkel had any love for the German people,
0: she would be erring on the safe side, and giving Muslims the disadvantage of the doubt, so to speak. But unfortunately, she doesn't have any love for the German people. She refuses to even admit that they exist as a group. She sees them as economic units that can be replaced in their own homeland, as long as it doesn't interrupt economic processes. And so She wants the refugees to keep pouring in. And that means that they will keep pouring in. And that means that lots more German women are going to be treated like those women in Cologne were treated on New Year's Eve in 2015. It's going to keep happening. Every day. And occasionally there'll be more big outbursts of it, like Cologne. It's inevitable. It's going to keep happening. Because she refuses to see the group
1: to whom it is, or to which it is happening, refuses to recognise that group, her group. Well, that's assuming that it is her group. Again, we don't really know about her
0: ancestry. Now, one possibility is this. Merkel is motivated at an emotional level by a hatred of being German. She doesn't, and this obviously to do with World War II guilt and so on, and in this uh, theory, she doesn't want the German people to suffer, but she wants them to be annihilated, because at some level, of course, she does understand that they exist. Of course she does. So, what are her emotional, deep emotional feelings? Does she, I think, you know, maybe, according to this, this theory I'm presenting, she doesn't want them to suffer, she just wants them to
1: cease existing. And in this case, she is the mother who kills her own children,
0: but in some gentle way. uh, She gives them sleeping pills and then holds a pillow over their faces while they sleep, that sort of thing.
1: She doesn't want them to suffer, but she wants them to be gone. But another possibility is that she is a lackey,
0: who is just following orders, to coin a phrase from higher-ups, globalists, maybe people in the EU or the UN, people who want the German people destroyed. And certainly one should not dismiss the kudenhoff kalergi plan or the Ernest Houghton plan or the Theodor Kaufmann plan.
1: These things have to be borne in mind. One final thing If Merkel had children, I have to wonder whether she would be this cavalier
0: about the safety of the daughters of Germany and whether she would be so terrifyingly uh, detached from her own people um, and so unconcerned with their safety, their story, their continuum or their future. Maybe if she had kids, she would... That would enable her to have that emotional connection that would link her in to the future of her people and therefore the past of her people. Or maybe not. Maybe she's just the type of person who is cold and robotic and maybe that's why she didn't have kids in the first place. I don't know. But what I would say about Angela Merkel is that she is the result of the 20th century. A confused, loveless, childless, white person who is at once ideological and utterly non-ideological. For her, the ultimate thing is power, but it is a power without romance. It has idealism, but not romance. It is a power motivated by the love of control, not of the thing being controlled. It is a power that is blind to its own behaviour, its own motivations, and to any real sense of responsibility for the consequences of its actions. It is a power
1: that exists entirely in the moment and is thus insanely destructive. We need radical political change in Europe. Our leaders, our governments,
0: are not fit for purpose. In fact, they are ideologically bound to act against our interests. If there is not radical political change in Germany in the near future, uh, the German people are
1: certainly doomed. Merkel embodies a style of government or a style of power,
0: which is the immediate result of the 20th century. And she can't really move on from that. It's the traumatized reaction to the events of the 20th century. It is a style of power that has been immensely destructive to Europe's body and soul,
1: and has proven itself psychopathically irresponsible, and which has had its time, very much so, and which must itself become a
0: chapter in history. Learned from, observed, regretted, and put away forever. Thank you for watching.